Head kick. And what a goal it was! Stewart makes it 1-1. And it is a gorgeous little chip. This could well be the moment. Yeah. It is the moment. Hello and welcome back for season 2024. This is Kickoff, the Football New South Wales competitions podcast, your home of all things NPL. This is a season preview special for NPL Men's New South Wales. My name is Teo Pelizzeri and joining me is one of the gurus of football New South Wales in terms of his knowledge and also media work, Tony Tanous. Tony, it's a pleasure to have you alongside me to look ahead to the NPL Men's New South Wales season. Yeah, just around the corner, Teo. We're really excited, uh, buzzing for the start of the season. The preseason's been hot to trot, and uh, we're about ready to go. So this will be a short and sharp all you need to know. We don't have a better person in studio to discuss it. Let's get into some of the big ticket items that we will be looking at. The format of the competition this season, key signings, where you can watch, and the new broadcast details, and also a little bit of insight into some of the team's expectations, maybe uh, ceilings for each team as well, and how far we think they can go. Tony, the off-season has not been a long one. It's only been a couple of months, thankfully, and uh, it is very exciting to be getting right back into it. Yeah, it's been an interesting off-season, absolutely. There's been some cup action. A few of the clubs have taken part um, in in some cups around the country. Uh, Arpia have won the Macron Cup. Sydney Olympic have taken part in the Hellenic uh, Cup championship as well as the Greek Herald Cup against uh, South Melbourne, one of the clubs from Victorian NPL and uh, Sydney United have had the Friendship Cup against uh, Melbourne Knights. So it's been a terrific off-season and we're just about ready to go. Before we get into some of the details, we're going to do some housekeeping on what the competition is called and the format of the league this year. Stay with us for discussions of players and also the teams, but we need to get into some nuts and bolts because nothing ever stays still for very long at this level of the game, and we need to get into the competition format for 2024. The new name is NPL Men's New South Wales, so make sure you start referring to it by that name. Tony, take us through what is happening with the return of what is called the Championship Series, or as a a Victorian uh, transplant like myself would call it, the Final Series. What what can we look forward to in the competition this year compared to last year? Yeah, so last year, obviously, we went to 16 teams, and that's going to be the same in 2024. So... We've got a 30-round competition, which is regular season. So kicking off on Friday, 16th of February, the first uh, round kicks off, and it goes right through the 30 rounds, taking us through to Sunday, the 25th of August, where all the games will be simultaneous and the Premiership will be on the line. So that's going to be a hot race throughout the season. And yes, as you said, Teo, the Championship uh, Series is back. So that's going to be terrific. It's going to be a top six. So I think the clubs have clamoured for it it's been you know a subject of discussion and it's terrific to see that the championship series back so we're going to have a grand final and that's going to be very exciting Uh, we had such an incredible final series in 2022 extra time penalty shootouts late comebacks and yes first past the post was also brilliant in 2022. So when we only had first past the post last season, I don't think anyone was disappointed about it. And we had a title race, you know. I think Arpia just left the door slightly ajar for other teams to keep chasing them for most of the year. But it's always nice to have those big occasions like a grand final. I mean, Australian fans love a grand final. But 
Football New South Wales puts on a big occasion really well, don't they? So how's it left you feeling about the return of the championship series, which will be top six, so 3v6, 4v5, elimination finals, and then the uh, the two preceding seeds play one-off semifinals against the top two who get that bye week through, and then the winners of the semis play off in a grand final. Yeah, so an extra three weeks of football. I don't think anyone's really complaining about that. And it, it just makes a slightly different dynamic because we saw last year a team like Blacktown who had a lot of injuries and uh, issues in their front third in the, in the first half of the season. They came home very strong. And had we had finals, maybe they would have felt good about that. Arpia, though, were deserved premiers, having set the standard from, from you know, jumping out of the gates uh, right from the start. And they, you know, sort of set the standard. Rockdale were chasing them hard. It was a terrific race, as you said. So I think we can't complain about the quality, what we saw last season. But this is an extra dimension, and it just keeps things open for those teams that are sort of perhaps, you know, not in the title race. They're on the periphery, those teams... You know, anywhere between five and ten, that race is going to be so hot for the for the top six positions. And it certainly dangles the carrot for teams with something to play for in the back half of the season as well. Um, it makes the transfer window particularly important because if you were safe from relegation with the transfer window falling where it did last season, almost about two-thirds of the way through the campaign... There, there wasn't much activity required for that season. If anything, you were signing for the season ahead for this season, 2024, rather than thinking about, well, what's the difference really between 8th and 4th, you know? But this season, if you're, you know, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, you're thinking about a spot in the top six, even up to the three-quarter way mark of the season, never mind looking over your shoulder potentially at making sure you avoid relegation. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And obviously, you know, those teams uh, have got a lot to play for, not only the finals, but avoiding that relegation as well. So, as you said, you dangle that carrot and that's going to be a very interesting transfer window come, come uh, you know, that part of the season. Now, let's talk about relegation. Um, we will put a disclaimer on this. At the time of recording, uh, no one knows what is going to happen with the National Second Division with the number of teams who will leave from each state and what will be left behind in their wake. Will they be replaced by youth teams? Will the vacancies be replaced by teams getting promoted in from lower divisions? That will shake out through the course of the season, and I'm sure that will be a big talking point. But we do not have the details to speculate about it today. So for now, at the start of the season, Tony, what is the circumstances around relegation out of the top flight? and uh, promotion in from the second tier. Yeah, so it's as as we were from last season. So one automatic team relegated and half a spot. So this, the team that finishes bottom will be automatically relegated and the team that finishes second from bottom will have a playoff just as Mount Druitt Town Rangers had against St George FC at the end of the 2023 season. So... That is the status quo as of now. As of now, but watch this space. It's going to be a fun year, 2024. All right, one last thing on the housekeeping, and that is where you can watch the games. Football New South Wales YouTube will be carrying live and exclusive all coverage this season. Uh, circumstances around NPL.TV, you can do your own uh, backgrounding. Uh, that platform is no longer part of the scene. Football New South Wales YouTube page, save it in your phone, subscribe in YouTube if you've got the app, put it in your favourites in your web browser. Tony, that will be the main port of call for everyone to watch the games this season. Yeah, in many ways, we go back to when we started. Um, I'm in my eighth year now as a commentator for Football New South Wales. I joined when we did um, use the platform of um, YouTube and, you know, that was a, a very successful platform and, and I think 
you know, the fans are going to love that. As, a, as, as you said there, Taya, you know, subscribe, uh, spread the word. That is the new platform. I think it's, it's terrific that every men's game uh, in the top flight, the football men's New South Wales League, uh, and obviously the women's uh, top flight as well, plus also the football New South Wales League One match of the round in the men's and women's will be live streamed. So... Yeah, I think it's the same production and the same team of camera people and, you know, the same commentary team as well will be behind the scenes. So expect, you know, the continuing great coverage. Yeah, no no splintering, no disinformation, just Football New South Wales YouTube, all roads lead there. Okay, that's the housekeeping. Now we're going to get into some of the specifics. We're going to tap into Tony's knowledge about the comings and goings around the league and also speak about the prospects of some of the... Teams. Our preview of NPL Men's New South Wales continues. Teo Pelizzeri and Tony Tanous with you. And Tony, you've come prepared with the key signings as far as, as you've determined it uh, of the off-season. Now, every club is going to be proud of their off-season work, but uh, we've asked you to highlight some of the names and some of the uh, headliners of this off-season. So take it where you would like to go. Just give us your top five before we uh, run through any others that caught your attention. Who's right at the top of the list? Um, because it's certainly NPL is always trying to attract new fans the same way that it's always trying to take care of the loyal existing fans. But maybe uh, those outside the tent, the big names always tend to grab their attention and maybe just maybe hook them in to become uh, NPL lifers like you and me. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that's one of the beauties of the National Premier League right across the country. But the first person on my list is a one that has spent a bit of time in a couple of other states recently, James Temelkovsky. He joins the Marconi Stallions. He's a player who, um, you know, grew up in Sydney. Um, you know, he played his football largely at, at Rockdale and a couple of other clubs. He's sort of gone away to really... Um, you know, boost his career, and he's done so well over at the Northeastern Metro Stars last year. I think scoring 25 goals in the South Australian um, National Premier League. So he comes in at Marconi. It's a key signing for them. Why? Because Geordie Swivel, who was such an influential player for them last year in the front third, he's no longer there. Um, so they've brought in a proven goal scorer and someone with something to prove in the New South Wales scene. So he's going to be a really interesting um, acquisition, I think, for. For Marconi. And Australia Cup, he was quite prominent. Metro Stars were leading Melbourne City uh, and, and then fell to two late goals um, in that Australia Cup tie. So, And uh, Ayubi uh, playing for Metro Stars. Austin Ayubi went on to sign for Adelaide United uh, out of that game. Temelkovsky comes to Marconi. So I imagine there's uh, an element of looking ahead to the National Second Division as well, especially when you're targeting one of the leading marksmen in South Australia. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but certainly that theme, the fact that these clubs who are potentially, you know, their, their names on the list as far as the national second division, you can see that they're really amping up their recruitment, and that's right, all five of them, you know, uh, uh, you know, signing some good players, some terrific players, and they're really changing the, I'd say, the average age of their squad. They're really bringing that average age of the squad down, and and that's a, uh, you know. Uh, exactly what's happening there with Temelkovsky. Um, number two on the list for me is Jason Romero. He's recently been in the press, uh, a big player in terms of National Premier League. We've seen him here in New South Wales and even step up into the A-League. He's signed with St George City FA, so that's a big 
recent um, acquisition for them. We saw him last year at Apia. We saw him move early in the season, have a spell in the A-League with the MacArthur Bulls. So a team that did really well in their first year in the top flight, adding Jason Romero, that's a terrific recruit in that front third with Presley Ortiz. It's an exciting prospect. Um, what, what do you think sealed the deal for St. George City FA? I mean, we know they've got a great home ground. Uh, they're, they're pretty well run behind the scenes. They after, had, after they consolidated avoiding relegation last season and knew that they were going to be sort of an upper mid-table team straight after winning promotion, did, is this the benefit of having last season to just put the groundwork in to target someone of the quality of Jason Romero? Yeah, fortunately for them, they do have a history. So he was a former player back in 2020 and 2021. He spent, um, you know, scored plenty of goals for them in the second tier, which really earned him the opportunity to step up and, and uh, make that impact in the top flight. And so, in a way, it's a coming home for him. Um, you know, there was some speculation that he might end up overseas in the off-season, but him being available, terrific signing for St George City. Number three on the list, uh, another player who returns to the National Premier League, New South Wales, it's George Timotheu, uh, Sydney Olympic. So a player who was part of their squad in 2018, he was part of their championship and premiership winning double. Um, he's that form back in 2018 earned him a move to Schalke um, in Germany. And we've seen him in the A-League recently at Adelaide United and also Melbourne Victory. So, you know, he comes back into the New South Wales Men's National Premier League and, uh, you know, that's a terrific signing for a team that I felt probably leaked a little bit more than they would have liked last year, so adds a bit of steel defensively. I mean, he was given chances in the A-League, and there are plenty of players that fall into that category of stand out in the second tier, but can't quite crack it in the top tier. And so uh, would it be? I don't think it'd be unfair to say that he would come in with the uh, burden of expectation to immediately improve his team, but also to be one of the standout players in the NPL. Yeah, I think given you know where he left the NPL in New South Wales as well, and that experience, both in overseas in Germany, you know, at a club like Schalke, and then at a couple of A-League clubs, I think you're right. He's going to come in and add to what is already a quite an. There's a lot of experienced heads at Sydney Olympic, and uh, you know, a lot of players with ex-A-League experience as well. So I think he adds to that, and he'll bring the youngsters through because their recruitment has largely been around bringing a younger batch through and um, he's going to help significantly. Number four on the list is uh, Joey Gibbs, another player who returns after three years overseas. He's been a professional in Iceland. He returns to his club, his, uh, the club that he's served so well over the years, uh, Blacktown City. And for a club that sort of had some issues in the front third last year, I think that's the reason Joey Gibbs is a big acquisition. They relied a bit on Jack O'Brien and maybe Travis Major second half of the year. Joey Gibbs really gives them another outlet in that front third. He's a proven goal scorer, um, and, and they're looking much stronger now in that front third. Why now? Because, I mean, I would see the odd clip on social media of him scoring goals in Iceland. Uh, how many years do you need to spend over there to get a citizenship, or is that not possible? I mean, was it just time to come home? Or does he wake up to missed calls from uh, NPL coaches in Australia trying to bring him home every day? Like, what, what's the reason you think he's decided now's the right time to come back? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting players and their careers, but he's the other side of 30 now. He's 31, um, and... You know, maybe the motivation is to be closer to home and, you know, 
obviously his work at Blacktown over the years has been terrific. He's their second all-time top scorer. Major's gone past him since he's been overseas. So, you know, that, that's that little battle, that little rivalry. They're going to be teammates, uh, but I'm sure they're going to be looking to add to the goals, both of them, this season. Number five, a player who was highly chased um, even last year during the transfer window that you mentioned earlier, Saya Kambiashi. Um, a lot of clubs were after his signature. He stayed around at Manly second half of last year, but he's moved across to Arpia. The Premiers, uh, the team that's probably the one everyone's chasing, and everyone was chasing Saya Kambiashi. He's signed with Arpia. I think that's a big signing, his utility value. He's a terrific player. You've seen him over the last couple of years, and he's going to add a lot to that Arpia side. It's amazing that you use the word utility because my one follow-up question was going to be, what position and role do you think Arpia have signed him to deploy him in? Because he can be a creator. He can play a little bit deeper in the midfield. He can, he can be used in a wide area if necessary. Do you have any ideal usage of Kambiashi or is it that versatility which is why he was such an attractive proposition? I think it is that utility value and, and uh, you know, perhaps um, if you look at what Arpia have lost in the off-season, they lost Yanni Nicolau, the right back, who's obviously moved up um, doing so well, getting game time at MacArthur Bulls um, in the A-League and they've lost Fabian Monge. Now, I see probably Sayer as more of an option at right back and someone who can play in an advanced role. They have a lot of options in the advanced roles, but there's nothing to say that they couldn't move Sayer Kambiashi into one of those advanced wide roles, move Jack Stewart into more of a, a number nine role. Um, they've got Jack Armson there. They've got Rory Jordan. They are spoilt for choice in that front third. They've got a couple of good youngsters that have come in as well, but Sayer Kambiashi, I think, is, is an ideal utility at this point. All right, that's your top five. Take us uh, through some of the other names and where they've landed that are also on your watch list for the season ahead. Yeah, I think we while we're on the subject of Arpia, I think, you know, while we say Sayer Kambiashi is a key signing because he's a big name and he was highly sought after, they've signed a couple of other players who I think are going to add to that squad. We mentioned the absence of Fabian Monge. Um, a youngster in Eddie Caspers, who's done ever so well. Um, I really like the way he plays. He's only 20, but I think he, he's, his debut in NPL New South Wales was as a 16-year-old with the North Shore Mariners. So he's been around for a while. He's young, but quite mature in terms of... Um, and, and I think they see him potentially as a metronome, you know, as a replacement for Fabian Monju. For me, he was such a key part of that Arpia success last year. So Eddie Caspers and Nick Sullivan, who spent a large part of last season out injured, but... He's worked hard and he's catching up. Um, you know the standards that have been set at Arpia in terms of terms of conditioning. Um, you know something that some of the players have had to step up to. Nick Sullivan, I think, offers them again some great options in the midfield and in even even some of those more advanced roles. So there are a couple of others there. Rockdale have done ever so well to boost their squad. They've brought in um, a couple of key players uh, that have been at Marconi in the Speranza brothers. Um, Giorgio and Roberto Speranza. So that adds a little bit of experience. They obviously lost Nicola Oide at the back end of last season over to the Scottish second division in Venice Caledonian Thistle. So I think his, um, Robbie Speranza coming in, Giorgio Speranza um, gives them a little bit of experience in that defensive line. 
So that's a couple of key um, acquisitions for Rockdale. And Dean Pelicanos is another one for them who did ever so well at St. George City FA. I think he's going to enjoy playing in that system under Paul D and uh, Nick Stavrilakis. So that's another key signing there. So there's plenty around um, Blacktown. You know, we mentioned Joey Gibbs, but I think the likes of Mitch Marley, who's made a miracle recovery to come back after retiring at the start of last season. That's a story in itself. Um, the story goes that he went overseas to America um, and there was some a doctor that he met that was able to give him some stem cell replacement and this is a treatment that he would not have been able to get here in, um, in Australia and that has allowed him to come back on the field. They... We did the Blacktown game, first game last year. It was match of the round and they had a presentation for him. Basically, they retired him there and then, a, a, you know, a legend of the league. And to see him come back, uh, I think it is a miracle. Um, and, you know, Blacktown are delighted. He's delighted to be back on the pitch. So that's a great acquisition, um, you know. So I think Blacktown, we talk about Joey Gibbs, but Mitch Malia, Danny Choi's back after a season-long um, injury as well, so there's some exciting work there. Uh, it's a who's who. The, some of the names you've dropped there in the who else to watch, absolutely brilliant. But it's not just about the players we know, Tony. It's also about the emerging youth and the showcase that NPL New South Wales gives them to make a name for themselves. Who are some of the young talents? And you mentioned Eddie Casper's there, who's only 20. Um, he's got a lot to live up to because his two sisters are absolutely dominating the A-League women's at the moment, so no pressure. But uh, who are some of the other youngsters that you've highlighted to watch out for for the coming season? And this is one of the great things about following the NPL. You can get on the journey of a player when they were still playing you know, uh, at such an accessible level before potentially they go on to great things and uh, potentially even stardom and socceroos in their future. Yeah, and that's the, that's really the hope. I think, um, as we've sort of said, there's a, the clubs that are put their hand up for the national second division, you can see that there's a real shift to younger players in their recruitment. Sydney Olympics, a prime example of that. And if you look at some of their recruitment there, the likes of uh, George Antonis, who did ever so well at the Western Sydney Wanderers, he's an exciting prospect, but he's... Coming across with him is Teng Kual, who was also at the Wanderers. And there are a couple of exciting prospects. I think the other club, the other academy club that a lot of players have left is the Central Coast Mariners. And you see those young players right across the league. Um, so some some very exciting one. Jordan Segreto is doing ever so well in the preseason. He was an excitement machine for the... Mariners last year and Arpia have picked him up and he is doing ever so well in their front third so expect to see really good things from him um, another one that excites is doing well at the base of the midfield for Marconi a 18 year old by the name of Jonathan Suarez um, he's got the potential you know he's doing extremely well in a in a squad that's rich in talent and rich in quality he's up against the likes of Liam Yuli there um, Hiroaki Oyama, Daniel Bowman, so but he's holding his ground in the preseason. He's one to look out for. Um, Blacktown City, despite the experience that they have, they have an exciting youngster by the name of Julian Rodriguez. Um, he's been part of the 18s the, coming through the last couple of years, the Blacktown um, development system. 
He's ready to step up at some point this year. He's an excitement machine. I call him the Gabriel Martinelli of the uh, of the MPL scene. He's re- he not only looks like him, but he's got that sort of game style as well. A wide attacking player. He's one to watch. Um, and there's a couple of others uh, at the Wanderers. I think you might have seen Aidan Hammond last year at Central Coast Mariners, a very good, talented young player. He's moved across to the Wanderers. And that little bit of midfield, along with Adam Bugaria, who made his debut last year, he's an exciting youngster as well. So there's some really good talent there. As I said, there's plenty coming out of the A-League academies going into various um, clubs. I think Mason Fernandez is one who's left the A-League system in the Wanderers, and he's gone to Sutherland Sharks under Stephen Zorich, and he will play in the number 10 role. I think he's an exciting one to keep an eye out on. Um, and probably the last one I'll mention uh, is that at Sydney FC, um, Wataru Kamijo. He's a, a young midfielder as well. He's really come through the back end of last season. I think you'll see in this season that further development taking that sort of next leap. But that's the fascination because you have players that play in the system of their A-League club in the academies, but you also have young men that are going into adult environments, established clubs, you know, tradition, expectation, adult environment, and you get to see different development pathways. And it suits some players to go through the A-League system. It suits some players to be playing, you know, in the established NPL clubs and to prove themselves there. And that's the fascination about who might emerge during the course of the season amongst those youngsters. Yeah, and, and Sydney Olympic are a prime example. We've mentioned some of the experience there, that the likes of Timotheu, but they've also got Ziggy Gordon, Roy O'Donovan. So they've got lots of experienced A-League professionals. But then you throw in youngsters like Antonis, Qual, Gianni De Pizzio. Um, they're coming out of those A-League academies. And, and I think it's a great environment to be in amongst those pro- you know, professionals, and so it is an exciting prospect. Let's go to the other end of the experience scale. Tony, you would like to pay tribute to some of the mainstays and great contributors to football in New South Wales through their exploits on the field in top division NPL. Who would you like to highlight uh, as almost like our alumnus class that uh, we waved goodbye to in the 2023 into 24 off-season? Yeah, so there's, there's been a recent announcement around Glenn Trefiro, one of the absolute legends of, you know, NPL, um, you know, right across the country. He's well known. He has had a stint at the Mariners in the A-League in his mid-20s, but his best football and his, you know, fondest memories was what he delivered in the New South Wales um, competition. And, and, you know, he's worked for Sydney United in winning championships, premierships, winning cup finals, uh, getting the, getting Sydney United 58 to the Australia Cup final last year. You know, they've won National Premier League finals. He's been the, the standout player in those competitions. So he's, they call him Tricky, the technical wizard, and we've been blessed over the past decade to see him. So he's one certainly, you know, we wish him all the best in retirement. But three others that sort of were announced at the back end of last year, and they're going to be missed, but, yeah, congratulations on great careers. Matty Lewis at Blacktown City, uh, Will Angel, Sydney Olympic, and Matt Sim, who's had a lot of success at a couple of clubs, but he's retired from football after his stint at Manly over the last couple of years. So, yeah, thank you. A great contribution. They're going to be missed, uh, but it is the opportunity now for others to step up, and, you know, these guys have done their 
bit for football in this state. Those are the names. Stay with us. We're going to look at the teams on the other side of this short break. Now, we're going to do some team predictions, but it is a 30-game home and away season, plus finals, plus a transfer window. We're not going to look into the crystal ball and tell you who's going to be on top in September because there are so many variables. Instead, we're going to do this rapid fire. Uh, Tony, let's start with the defending champions. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you defending champions up here, Leichhardt? Back-to-back or maybe not? The challenge is second year for a young coach who obviously Franco Parisi, amazing job with David Depuzzo, and the challenge for them is can they back that up? Can they keep that motivation? You know, seeing Arpia and listening to Franco Parisi, I think there's, they've got some good plans about evolving their football and trying to find new things in the front third because teams started to work them out a little bit towards the end of the season, and that's their fresh challenge. When I say title contenders, I, it's a two-pronged question, both who can finish top of the league after 30 games, but who could also potentially win the grand final at the end of the year? When I say title contenders, who do you think of? Yeah, you think of Arpia. You also think absolutely, you know, they could go back-to-back and really... But Blacktown City have strengthened. I think last year, we made the point a little bit earlier, they were without a front third for large parts. Uh, So them really loading up in that front third and they've got that stability, so they're back. Um, I think that they can really contend for the premiership and also, you know, be there for the championship. I think Marconi, you know, they're a side that's done ever so well in their recruitment, some very exciting prospects. So we've spoken already about a couple of their signings, but uh, Anton Blanaric, um, Cameron Windust, a couple of young central defenders, very exciting. Franco Mayer, who did so well at St George City FA, and and James Bayless from Central Coast Mariners. So there's three or four new signings that are only going to add to the quality they showed last year. So they're, they're in the mix. And Rockdale, they'll be strong. They'll be strong. They've obviously got Urashevsky last year's top scorer last year's, you know, player of the season, but they've added the Speranzas. They've added uh, just hot, hot off the press recently. Blake Rusciuto comes back after a stint overseas, and they're going to be in the mix as well. Um, St. George City FA and probably Olympic are probably my other two You know that are, that are really going to be in that top six battle. A-League Academy teams. Now, this is probably the, the demographic where we might have the most number of new NPL fans. You know, people who may not have given NPL a look but realise that, hey, I can watch my academy team, you know, the youngsters play 30 times a season. But traditionally, they tend not to challenge for the title and A-League preseason tends to interrupt the back half or the back third of the academy team seasons. No, no MacArthur in the top division either. But realistically, the academy teams, are we, are we looking at relegation battles here like Wanderers last season where they had to, you know, really sharpen up in the final month just to avoid the drop? Or do you think they'll be safely mid-table? Or do you think one of them could even maybe sneak into the top six this year? Yeah, well, I think Sydney FC traditionally the last few years in New South Wales has been the one, maybe because they've been around a bit longer. They've really come to grips with the, I guess, playing against adults and um, and that's been the thing for them. So I think they're, they're probably the one that can maybe push up. They've been close to challenging. They've been in the finals um, in, in previous seasons as well. So I think they're one. Wanderers last year were finding their feet. I think that they're, you know, they're ready to, to take a, a little bit of a step further up. They've ha- had Andrew Christensen who came in you know, sort of quite late and, and you know, it was all about sort of surviving and, and getting through that. He's had a full pre-season now. I think they've got a lot of talent and, and 
that's exciting to see about the Wanderers. I think the interesting one for me, Teo, is the Mariners. I've, I've listed so many players that have landed at other clubs, the likes of Segreto, George Daniels at Marconi, Andre Parks, the Keepers at Arpia, you know, Gianni De Pizio, Windust, Bayless, all these names, how are they going to replace them? This, for me, is the interesting one. The Mariners, looking at their list, a lot of fresh names, and it's going to be a bit of a challenge. Their new coach in Lucas Villela, um, that, that's going to be a real fascinating watch, but you've seen how good their academy has been at promoting players into the A-League. So I would, I would not be writing them off Exactly. Ever. If, if there was one team yeah. that was going to start from ground zero and, and, and rebuild it all again, you'd probably choose the Mariners. Now, yeah. speaking of, of new faces, the two promoted teams. Last year, NWS Spirit and St. George City FA set the bar ridiculously high for what we can expect from a promoted team. Is it going to be similar with the teams coming up this year or are these teams coming up with survival as the top priority? Yeah, I think it's that the, the bar was set so high, particularly by St. George City FA. Spirit got their points early, probably tailed off a little bit towards the back end. Um, but it's going to be much more difficult, I, f- I feel, for St. George FC and Hills United um, you know, to really make the same impression that those two teams did last year. And I think for large parts... Luke Cassily, very seasoned. Um, Jane Talchevsky, who's had a terrific success at St. George, implemented a playing style. They're going to be looking to feel their way in, I feel, the first couple of months uh, and, and feel like they belong. And it's not going to be easy for them, but they can survive if they, you know, sort of s- stick to their culture, stick to their principles and really chip away at it. Uh, you know, anything's possible, but it won't be as smooth, I feel, as... Last year's too. Now, it's a 30-game season with a transfer window. So bad news for anyone wanting us to death ride a team. We're not going to pick anyone to go down. You've got too, many, too much of a safety net, and it's a land of opportunity at the start of the season. We're not going to say anyone's going down just yet. Instead, I'll frame it like this, a wild card team that we may not have spoken about in any of the categories just yet. I look at teams like Manly United, who seem quite happy with life in NPL New South Wales, I would have liked them maybe to nominate for National Second Division. Maybe they're just going to let other clubs do the groundwork and maybe leave it for a later date. The other one is Wollongong. They get great home crowds, great stadium. It is a great day trip if you go down there from Sydney for a game. And if you're a local, it's a football town. Love the Wollongong Wolves. I don't know what to expect from either of those teams this year, though. Tony, who's your wildcard team? Who Who's the team that you're just struggling to pin at this point of the preseason? Yeah, and I think you've named, named two of potentially three that I feel, you know, there's a question mark over. We don't quite know. They're in a little bit of a rebuild phase. I think Manly have lost a couple of senior players, the likes of Bruno Mendes, um, Oates, Jimmy Oates, and also Dom Ferguson, Sayakambiashi's left. So they've gone very local. They've gone very young. And there's a question as to, you know, over the course of 30, 30 rounds, you know, have they... Can they get the, the, the formula right with that youth and local um, talent? So Manly will be in the mix and, and you know a good season for them would be pushing up and challenging for the top six. I think Sydney United 58 is the other one with a massive rebuild and they're one of the national second division teams but they've lost some incredibly senior players. I mentioned Trafiro earlier but you think about Matt Bilic, Yanni Perkatis, Fragil Giannis, Chris Payne, Agamemnonos, Tayside, they're, they're key players in that squad and they've had to rejuvenate 
again, maybe with an eye towards the national second division and bringing down the average age of the squad. Um, so Zioko Kalat's going to be very interesting to see. It's a club with a massive culture. They expect success. And so for me, they're a wild card. Um, and, and Wolves is the other one. You know, I thought their finish to the season was incredible. They, I think they were undefeated in the last month or so of their football. David Carney, you know, sort of managed to get the most out of that squad last year. So, um, you know, they're going to be quite interesting as well. So that's it for our season preview. Tony Tanous, thank you for your very thorough research on what's been going on in the off-season and some of your views to the year ahead. But last one, though, I'm going to um, quite selfishly ask you to tell me, what are you looking forward to the most about the season ahead? Uh, what's on your bucket list or what's the thing that you look forward to the most at this time of the year when season's about to kick off? Yeah, I think for me it's always about, you know, sort of discovering new players and seeing new players, new teams are... Uh, that, that always excites. I love seeing younger players come through. Um, we tended to showcase a lot of that through our Match of the Round interviews last year. We spoke to a lot of young players. And it really is a platform. It is a platform for, you know, new not only new players, but new coaches to come through. So there's a couple. I think the stability in coaching has actually been a real positive element this year. Um, but, yeah, there's a, a couple of new coaches. So let's see how, you know, the, the play unfolds and... Yeah, can't wait to get stuck in. One thing I'm really hoping for this season, because we haven't always seen it the last couple of seasons, is a closer alignment between who makes the national rounds of the Australia Cup and who's at the top of NPL men's New South Wales. Um, we haven't always sent our strongest teams. We've sent some great stories. We've sent some great cup teams that have gone on great cup runs. But you want that competition to still be really a showcase of the best teams that are performing week in, week out. So Waratah Cup will be there as a trophy at the end of the season. Australia Cup will be an incentive for at least five teams coming out of football New South Wales. And hey, smaller teams, don't take umbrage to that. You're more than welcome to go off and pull off some cup sets along the way. But I must admit, that's what I always look forward to as we head into the middle of winter. Who's on a cup run and who is going to the national rounds of the Australia Cup? Tony Tanous, what game are you on in round one where we can hear you on the Football New South Wales YouTube channel? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It will be the Premiers, Arpia, and they'll be visiting the 2022 champions in Blacktown City. So that's going to be a, a massive way to kick off the season. Can't wait for that and the rest of the season. Tony, it's been a pleasure having your company. All the best for the season ahead. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us five stars while you're there. You will still get regular drops through the season with all the storylines and the latest around the Football New South Wales leagues. My name is Teo Pelizzeri. This has been Kickoff, the Football New South Wales Competitions podcast. We'll speak to you again soon. Enjoy the start of the season. And what a goal it was! Stewart makes it 1-1. And it is a gorgeous little chip. This could all be the moment. Yeah. It is the moment. Yeah.